Father, we thank you for um, your blessing and your grace to go upon Pierre and Helena as they go to our spiritual family in Caledon. As Paul said, writing to the Romans, I long to come to you that I may impart some spiritual gift. So as they go and they spend time with the church family in Caledon this morning, we pray, Lord, that on behalf of this church, every nation, Somerset West, every nation, Helderberg, that they would impart a spiritual gift to our precious family up there in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't normally sound like this. <laughs> I had COVID a little while ago, and I think my voice hasn't quite recovered. So, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you. Um, for those that I haven't spoken to, Happy New Year 2022. Uh, this year is going to be amazing. Okay, that was a muted amen, but an amen nonetheless. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this Sunday morning. Do we have some slides? Okay, good. Uh, so we're continuing with our, our theme, which is um, abiding in the power and the beauty of God's Word. And this morning, the, the title of the message is The Word Gives Life. And in every nation, churches across the world, um, in something like 80 countries, this message is going to be preached this morning. How cool is that? Before diving into this and, and going to our text for the day, which is John chapter 5, I want to recap on what Pierre spoke about last week, um, which was that the creator of all things is the true light and life. He spoke from John chapter 1, verse 1 to 19, which of course, as you know, starts off, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it goes on to say that in him was life, and the life is the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. And so the creator of all things desires to be near to us. He desires to be known, and the creator of all things desires to be received by us. Not just a once-off occasion. You know, we all we all come to a time in our lives where we choose to put our faith and our trust in God and we receive him. In John chapter 1 verse 12, it says that he came to his own people and they did not receive him, but to those that did receive him, to those that believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. So there's, there's a time in your life when you receive Jesus into your heart and you become a Christian, you become a child of God. But the intention of the Father is that you receive him every day. Just like you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day. We baptized in the Holy Spirit at a point in our lives when, I give, when we give our lives to Jesus. But Paul says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be baptized, be immersed in the Holy Spirit every day. So the creator of all things desires to be received by us every day. And it's my prayer that today we will receive him and we will receive um, the word of life that he brings to us. Okay, so on to our, our text for this morning, which is John chapter 5, um, from verse 19 to 29. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life. And we were dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But the Father raises the dead. He gives us life. So also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I just want to stop there for a moment. I love scriptures that honor Jesus, that speak to the deity and the lordship of Jesus. We, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in this church and in this family of believers, we honor the Father and we honor the Son and we honor the Holy Spirit as Lord. Okay, so truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. Whoever hears my word, remember the title for today is the word gives life. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is not here when the dead will hear the voice, the word of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Father, we pray, Lord, for your blessing on your word this morning. May it be alive in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that your word brings life. So through this series, we're going to be speaking a lot um, from the Gospel of John. And I'll just go on to uh, John chapter 6, when um, uh, um, Jesus has had a moment with his disciples, and a lot of them are leaving. He's he's spoken about, he is the bread of life, and you must eat me. And people were a little bit confused by the analogies that he was using. And then he says to his disciples, to the 12, he says, will you also leave? And Peter says to him, where will we go? Because you have the words that give eternal life. If you can just flip one slide over, I think that's exactly what it says. There's a John 6, 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And Peter then answers him, you have the words of eternal life. So Jesus says, my words give life. And if we jump also to John chapter 10, where he says that the the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, and he wants to take away those words of life because the thief, Satan, is a liar and the father of lies. So when Jesus speaks words of life, Satan, the enemy, is speaking lies to us. And, you know, it's up to us to choose which one we're going to believe. So there's a battle for our soul. Jesus is speaking words of life, and he wants us to mix those with faith, that the word can take root. Peter says it's the imperishable seed of God, which is the word inside of us, and that word must grow up into be a plant. And that's what Jesus spoke about in the first parable that um, is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. So Mark chapter 4, 
Um, he says, the sower sows the word. He tells the parable about the, the, the sower sowing the, 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 the seed along in, into different soil, firstly on the pathway, then into shallow ground, then into ground where there are, are thorns and thistles and weeds, and finally into fertile soil. And the analogy there is that the soil is our hearts. And when our hearts are plowed up, when, when, when we allow repentance to come into our heart, and, and the soil of our hearts is ready, then the seed, the imperishable word of God, takes root and it flourishes. So there's this battle for our souls, and, and we see this in the parable of, of the sower. And the, the devil is he's, he's always on the lookout to snatch away um, that seed. It says that the birds of the air come and immediately they pick up that, that seed and they fly away with, with it. So, so the, the devil is trying to steal the word of life, the word that gives life. Um, and because he wants to prevent fruitfulness in our lives. Because what does fruitfulness bring? Fruitfulness honors and glorifies God. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So we have a seed that grows up to an, into a plant and bears fruit. And that's what, that's what the father longs for is that our lives will bear fruit. But there's this battle for our soul. Now, I, I want to go to uh, a, a wonderful text, which is in Acts chapter 20. And this is where Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. So we've already heard from Pierre this morning Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church from Ephesians chapter 3. And the Ephesian people, the brothers and sisters in Christ that came from Ephesus, they're going to feature very strongly in, in the message this morning. So Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem. He stops off um, a short while, a uh, short distance away from Ephesus, and he asks for the Ephesian elders to come and meet him. And then his speech to them is recorded in Acts chapter 20, which is, which is one of my favorite portions of Scripture and a great, um, um, a great source of inspiration for me. I think it's one of the greatest speeches ever written. We're not going to go through the whole one, or the whole speech, because it's quite long, but I'd encourage you to read uh, Paul's speech to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Uh, a couple of years ago, I heard Philippa get, uh, take a phone call, and, and then she shouts out to me, and what's your favorite verse? It was, it was Byron on the line, and I didn't know, but Byron was, was making a gift for me, which is a belt, this black belt that I'm wearing. And he wanted to put on, uh, or to, to inscribe in the belt, um, a scripture. So he wanted to know what's my favorite scripture. Now, there's lots of wonderful verses in the Bible, but the scripture that I shouted out to Philippa in response that morning was Acts chapter 20, verse 35. So in, I'm not going to take my belt off and show you, but on this belt is written Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And, and the, the, the key eight words in that, which is like a motto for my life, is by working hard, we must help the weak. So we're going to read that now. So, so we've spoken about this battle for our soul, and now Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders, and he says to them, you're in a battle. And then he gives them some advice, and that's the advice that I want to go through this morning. Thanks for the belt, Byron. <laughs> right, so he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, 
not sparing the flock. It's, it's the devil who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And from among your own selves. Now this is one of the great churches in the, the, the New Testament period. Uh, this is the church to which the, 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 the letter of Ephesians is written. Um, it's the, the first church in the book of Revelations that Jesus speaks to. So this is an important church, a significant body of people. But Paul says, even from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. From the record that we see in the book of Acts, this is the church with which Paul spent the most time. So this church was very dear to him. So now he says, and now I commend you to God. Other translations say, I entrust you to God, I submit you to God, I commit you to God. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, the word that gives life, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And we must remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul speaking to these brothers and sisters in Christ, friends that he loves dearly, and he warns them, he says, fierce wolves are going to come among you. You're going to be threatened and assaulted from outside, but perhaps even worse, from inside. People that you love will rise up and twist the words of God twist the word of life because the devil is working through them seeking to steal and to kill and to destroy in your life because God loves us and God is good but Satan is bad and Satan hates us and Satan wants to destroy us so in the face of that opposition both from without and from within Paul gives four pieces of advice he says firstly be alert well, when fierce wolves are coming up against you, I don't know that being alert is going to help that much. But be alert nonetheless. Peter says when he's writing, he says, be on your guard because the devil is like a roaring lion. So watch out. Be sober-minded. And Paul's saying pretty much the same thing. A little bit earlier, he says, pay careful attention. To what? Pay careful attention to yourselves. Okay? Watch your own heart. Watch your own soul. Um, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, um, the writer says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be a smarty pants. Submit to God. Resist evil. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Be alert. Be on your guard. Don't think of yourself too highly. Paul says that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. He says to them, don't think of yourself too, or more highly than you ought. Have a have a humble and healthy regard for who you are in Christ. So be alert. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Let no selfishness arise up within you. And then he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's, he effectively sets before them an example of how he has behaved among them. So let's just look at that again. In Acts chapter 20 from verse 31, he says... Um, I'm going to need my glasses. 
Okay, so remember my example. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And then he carries on. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know these hands. I worked hard amongst you. Basically, that's what he's saying. And then he's saying, in all things I've shown you by working hard, we must help the weak. So he's giving them a very specific example, but he's saying, in general, I have given you an example in my own life, and I urge you to follow that example. And it's the same in the, in the church now. Follow those and, and pay careful attention to the example that is set for you by, by leaders in the church. And of course, they are imitating Christ. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But now he comes, I think, to, to the greatest piece of advice. He says, allow the word of God's grace to build you up and to give you the inheritance that you have among all those that are sanctified. Because this is the word that gives life. When Satan comes in from without and from within to steal and to kill and to destroy, when the father of lives speaks lies into your soul and into your spirit to produce bad fruit, allow the word to abide in your heart and you abide in the word so that it can, this word of grace, so that it can bear fruit in your life. Um, in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We all need those, we all need that stream of grace. We need those mercies to come from the throne of grace. How? How does God extend mercy and grace to us? If not, through his words, his words that give life. So, so Paul says, allow this word to, to be in your heart, to, to, to build you up. And in, in Romans chapter 8, um, Paul says that all those that, are, that, that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. The Father wants us to grow up into, into maturity, uh, to, become, to become grown men and women uh, of faith. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. And it is the word, the word of his grace that, allow, that, that builds us up, that allows us to grow into maturity and then to give you this inheritance. Now, it's important to know that this inheritance we have already received. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, you have obtained an inheritance. In Colossians chapter 1, he says, the father has qualified you to partake to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. So this is, this is an inheritance that we, we already have. But I want you to think for a moment of a situation where, so of course an inheritance only comes to somebody on the death of someone else. And in our case, we receive an inheritance because who died? Jesus. Jesus died for us, so we receive this inheritance. So, but imagine a situation where um, there's, there's, there's a, a death, let's make it very far removed, a great uncle that you hardly know, and an, a, a large inheritance is coming to you, but you're only 16 years old. And in, in terms of the, the will, when you turn 18, then you get a portion. And when you turn 21, you get another portion. And when you get a qualification, a, a degree, then you get some more. And when you get a job, you get some more. So this inheritance is already fully yours, 
but it gets transferred to you as you grow and mature. And it's the same thing with us, is that we have access to this inheritance, but it becomes ours, it's transferred to us as we grow in faith, then we can access more and more of it. But there's no limit to how quickly you can grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. So speaking about this inheritance, there's so much to say. Um, you know, that scripture that we love so much from, from Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That speaks to our inheritance. Um, in Second Peter chapter 1, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, so the Bible speaks about this inheritance that we've got. So aspects of that are peace, favor, our identity as sons and daughters of God, our salvation, redemption and deliverance, our, our spiritual family. Isn't spiritual family a blessing? Isn't that part of our inheritance? How about purpose? The Bible says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for a life of good works that he planned beforehand that we might walk in. We have purpose as children of God. What about answered prayers? That's part of our inheritance. What about the Holy Spirit living within us? This is all part of our inheritance. But I want to speak today about three things. I was thinking about, you know, the aspects of our Christian inheritance as children of God that we access by, by receiving these words of life into our hearts and, and mixing it with faith. What are, what are three things that I wanted to leave you with? Three things that, that I would love for the family of God to exhibit in 2022. And those are joy and beauty and glory. What a wonderful thing to experience that in our lives. To experience joy. To experience the beauty of his presence. And to experience glory. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, so he's now talking about, I am the vine and you're the branches and I want you to bear much fruit. And he says, all these things that I've spoken to you, that my joy, the joy of Jesus may be in you and that your joy may be full. And Peter speaking to um, the churches in Galatia, because he also spent some time, we learned this from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Peter was, was also there. He was also connecting with those churches, ministering to those churches. He's writing to them, and he says, and, and obviously he's writing as an eyewitness to the life and the ministry of Jesus. He spent three and a half years with Jesus. And he says, but this, the remarkable thing is, you've never seen him, but you believe in him. And you, you, you don't see him to this day. So he's speaking past tense and present tense. He says, you've never seen him and you're not, you don't see him right now. And yet you rejoice with joy inexpressible, a joy that can't be quantified like Pierre was speaking about earlier, the peace that passes all understanding. So just like that peace is something that we, we can't even begin to understand in the same way we can be filled with joy, joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That is, the, that is one of the benefits of this inheritance. 
In Romans chapter 14, Paul says the kingdom of God is not about rules, it's not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. And then he prays in Romans chapter 15, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you put your trust in him. So I believe with all of my heart that the words of Jesus, the word of grace, give life. And when mixed with faith in our hearts, they produce joy. And that joy is, that, is light. It's like light that shines out of us. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He, firstly, he said, I'm the light of the world. But then he said to, to his disciples, if you believe in me, you are also the light of the world because I live inside of you. This light that, 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 that has existed in me since eternity past, I'm putting this in you. And, and I think that... That light often shines out of us when we smile, when we give some encouragement, when we speak a positive word to somebody in a, in a difficult situation, when we experience and express joy. So can we be a joyful people this year? Mm. And then beauty. Well, this morning's a, it's a beautiful day, and we live in a beautiful place. And, and there's much to be said about experiencing the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of the Father in nature. Um, in the Psalms, it says, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I, when I look up into the heavens, when I consider your heavens, the moon and the stars that you have made, you know, I marvel at you, how, how, how wonderful it is that, that you care for us and that you think about us. So the Psalms are filled with praises to, to, the, to, the, to the beauty that surrounds us. But there's, there's beauty inside as well. In, in Psalm, chapter, Psalm 27, um, David prays, he said, One thing have I desired, O Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen to this. To gaze upon your beauty. So there's, there's beauty out there. There's beauty in nature. There's beauty in the stars. But when we spend time in the presence of God, our souls and our spirits can gaze upon his beauty and be restored, renewed, rejuvenated. We can experience life that comes from the beauty of God. Psalm 96, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Moses prays, may the favor or may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. That's in Psalm 90. And then, then um, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly do I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, to see your power and your glory. That also speaks to me of the beauty of Jesus, that we can experience for our souls and our spirits the beauty of God. And then lastly, glory. I want to take you to another very interesting scripture. It's in John chapter 12, verse 41. And... Um, Jesus is, is speaking and he's, he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. 
Um, so, and then, then, then John writes, he says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. When did Isaiah see the glory of Jesus? He saw the glory of Jesus, and it's recounted in Isaiah chapter 6. See, we read about this wonderful um, experience that Isaiah has, and we think, you know, it, it just talks about, it talks about God. It talks about the glory of God. But in the Gospel of John, John says, Isaiah saw Jesus. And this is what it says in the verse, in, from verse 1 in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet with two he flew and one called to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory isaiah sees a vision of jesus in 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 the throne room of heaven um the bible says that jesus is the image of the invisible god when 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 stephen has a vision in um, acts chapter 7 we'll come back to that just in a moment he says I see, he has an open vision, and he says to his audience, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the throne of God. It doesn't say that he saw God, the invisible God, because the Bible says that God lives in unapproachable light. No one, and, and in John chapter 1, so I'm just making the point here, the Bible says no one has ever seen God. So the Father is invisible, he dwells in unapproachable light, and I believe that, you know, what what John's telling us in John chapter 12, what Isaiah saw, Isaiah saw a vision of Jesus. And he saw him in all of his glory. And this glory is not, not that necessarily each one of us will have that kind of open vision. But this is the glory that we can look on. John says Isaiah saw his glory. And now we're living with his glory. And then in John chapter 1 he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And this is the same glory that we get to participate in. That we get to experience. And Peter says, Even though you've never seen him, You can still rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. And then Romans chapter 8 Paul writes and he, say, he speaks about this glory that we get to participate in. In verse 18, he speaks, about, he speaks about the future glory. He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that's future glory. But then he says that all of creation, this is in verse 21, will be set free from its bondage to corruption and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We are the children of God. And we carry with us a measure of his glory. And in verse 30 it says, Those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified. And those whom he justified he also glorified. Past tense, we have been glorified. There's a measure of future glory, but we have been glorified because we've been brought into the family of God. So we get to participate in this glory. Let me explain it one other way. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all of his angels, he will sit on his glorious throne. And then 
all the nations of the earth will be gathered before him, and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And the sheep will be on his right, and the goats will be on his left. And then he will say to those who are on his right, he will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father from the beginning of time, enter into the joy, the inheritance which my Father has prepared for you, because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And I was, I was naked and you clothed me. And I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. And that speaks to me of glory. Is that because then they answer, they say, when did we do all these things? And he says, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And I think that's a glorious thing, is that we get to participate in being a part of the body of Christ, doing good works. He speaks about particular good works then, but there's, there's so many. But when we minister to the least of these, we're ministering to Jesus as well. Now, just to be clear, living in and experiencing joy and beauty and glory, which I really believe with all of my heart, God wants for us all to experience. Don't be misled into thinking or having a picture in your mind that this is like, it's just like sitting on a beach with a cocktail and it's, it's just all hunky-dory. It, it's also, there's also joy and beauty and glory and, and our suffering as we follow Jesus as well. And I spoke briefly about Stephen. For me, that's a moment of joy and beauty and glory. He, he gives this great speech to, to his audience of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and those who are accusing him, those who, who have trumped up false charges against him. And then, and, and then as I said, he, he, he has this open vision and he says, behold, I see the Son of Man, Jesus. He doesn't say Jesus, but he says, I see the Son of Man. And, and they knew exactly who he was talking about because Jesus had spoken of himself as the Son of Man. I see him, I, I see him in glory at the right hand of the Father. And then they rush at him and they assault him and they drag him out and they stone him to death. But in that moment, I see in his face, they, and it says that his face was shining. I see joy and beauty and glory. So in the good times and in the bad times of following Jesus, there, there can be joy and beauty and glory. It's brought to completion in the knowledge of him when we worship him, when we follow him, when we abide in him, when we receive those words of life into, into our hearts and in particular this vital and necessary ingredient when it's mixed with faith in our lives. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that as the children of God, as brothers and sisters, Lord, in faith, Lord, that we would allow your word, your word of grace to abide in our hearts, that we would mix it with faith, Lord God, and that we would experience this inheritance that you've given us, this inheritance that belongs to us, that we would be built up. Lord, that Satan would not be able to come and steal the words, that we would not listen to his lies, but we would, we would allow the, the rain and the sunlight of your love to, to bring growth, Lord God, to bring growth to that seed, that we may grow up as a plant before you, Lord, and that we may be fruitful, Lord. And that every person in the sound of my voice, Lord God, I pray, would experience joy.
and beauty and glory this day and for the whole of this year, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.